just pop that over here. I, uh, I sometimes fantasize about retirement. Is anybody with me on that? Um, you do the same? Um, and I know plenty of people in the room are retired, so um, if I say what's wrong, you can school me about retirement afterwards. But um, sometimes I fantasize about retirement because I imagine what it would be like to slow down, um, to step off the crazy, the crazy roundabout that is life in 2023. Because I don't know about you, but um, I've noticed that the world seems to be getting busier. Um, as the years go by, they seem to go by faster and faster, and we never seem to disconnect. And uh, have you noticed that, or is it just me? I can sit down if, you've, if nobody, no, you all understand. And so I fantasized about retirement. Um, when, uh, when Joe and I were living in America, we fantasized about retiring to um, Montana, just to a big ranch. So this is how I picture my retirement. Um, I'm going to grow a lot more handsome and skinny, apparently. We don't live in America anymore. More likely a farm here, maybe the Monaro, who knows. Um, I, I imagine the farmers who are here are laughing because you don't get to slow down do you? <laughs> uh, you don't get to slow down when you're on a big property. Um, I can't even keep up with the gardening next door, and I don't think we've only got about an acre. And so, uh, you know, I imagine, but, but let me have my dreams. So imagine retirement when I finally have got time to do everything I ever wanted to do. Um, and uh, people who are retired are probably smirking at me right now because that's not true, is it? You don't just have time to do whatever you want. Um, there's still the house maintenance. Uh, there's still the taxes. There's the grandkids, the appointments. And if you live here, there's probably big gardens that keep growing. See, somebody after the morning service said to me, it's not retirement, it's rehirement. You just get hired in a new capacity where you don't get paid. You still have lots to do. Does life ever slow down? Uh, whether you've got young kids or grown-up kids um, or no kids, you've got a big house, a small house, um, pets, no pets, every day rolls on just the same. The sun comes up and the sun goes down and there's another day and probably maybe even don't finish. Um, and every life stage, I think, has the potential to be really busy. And, uh, and so for me, you know, I sort of feel like I look over the horizon and imagine maybe in the next stage of life, that's when I'll have time to slow down. Is anybody with me on that? And so you look over this horizon, maybe that's when life will get easier and perhaps sometime a bit further down the road. Has anybody down the road a bit further than me found that? Have you gone over the horizon yet? No, no, everybody's still busy. And so what do we do with our busyness? Um, so personally, busyness is something I've actually struggled with all my life. I've always had busy jobs. I've always had big jobs. And then you add to that being a husband and a father, and I've always liked to play sport, and then the kids wanted to play sport. You drive them around, and, and uh, then you've got friends and hospitality and church, and you put all of that together, and you end up very busy. Have I got any nods? In America, I'd say, can I have an amen? <laughs> <sighs> this doesn't play here, does it? <laughs> Yes, pastor. Um, I love that. One author that I read, he said, we're living in the middle of a busyness epidemic. Um, and, and so new technology connects us all the time to our emails and, and our messages and, and uh, the internet and, and the social media. And then COVID came along and we brought work home with us. We started to work in the, 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 the dining room and the living room and the bedroom. And if your kids were at home, well, then there was kids doing school at home as well. And we became one big connected mess. Uh, and I know some of you are homeschooling as well, which means they're definitely home. And, and, and that's the thing, we are constantly connected. Um, 
to all of these distractions and yet in some ways we're less connected than we've ever been. Uh, we were at a restaurant recently and, and this family is sitting on a table near us, a mum and dad and a couple of kids and, and everybody was looking down at their devices. <laughs> Nobody was talking to one another and uh, in fact one of the kids, he had his earbuds in because he didn't want to listen to his mum and dad at all. And, uh, and I thought, well, isn't that something? And I thought, actually on different days people might look at my family and see exactly the same picture. Um, author Kevin DeYoung uh, wrote a fantastic book uh, called The Busy... I th- I th- I th- I th- let's see, did I put it on? No, I didn't. Oh, by the way, I've just put pictures of Montana behind all of the slides today, <laughs> just so you can join me in my little imagination of, what, of where I, you know, my imagination. Um, this was a book about um, being a busy Christian, so it was a guide for busy Christians to deal with your busyness. Um, very helpful. How many of us feel this strange mix of busyness and lifelessness? We're always engaged with our thumbs, but rarely engaged with our thoughts. We keep downloading information, but rarely get down into the depths of our hearts. Isn't that true? Distraction stops us from self-reflection. It stops us from thinking about what's going on deep down inside. We're in the middle of a busyness epidemic. There's an epidemic that can overtake us if we're not careful to pay attention and kind of to push back on it. Because as we open the Bible today, we're going to see that we're made for more than busyness. Um, We're made for patterns that teach us to slow down. We're actually made for rest. And so for the next 15 or 16 minutes, I want you to kind of mentally switch off the distractions. Um, plant your mind and your attention here in the room. You might need to start taking some slower breaths. But I want you to make yourself available to God so that as we hear what His Word says, you actually give yourself space to, to let God speak into your heart, to speak into your life, to speak into your distraction, to speak into your busyness, to speak into your chaos. Let Him speak a word of rest into your life. Let's give these next 15 minutes to God. Let's see what He can do with them. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so surrounded by distractions, but we're here now. We long to be in Your presence and to hear You speak. Will You speak to us now, breathing the breath of life into us just like You did on the sixth day? Bring us back to You to hear You and, and to be remade in the image that You made us for. Give us rest today as we hear Your Word. Amen. Well, this term we've been digging into the early chapters of Genesis, chapters 1 to 11. I've been uncovering the foundations of who we are and what God has made us for. And we began with that majestic picture of God uh, making everything out of nothing. He speaks creation into being just with His words and He fills everything up. And after He'd finished making all of the, the, the things in earth and then all, the, all of the birds and animals and creatures on earth, the last one that He made was humans. After all of the first five days, he said, this is, this is good. He creates humankind in his own image, male and female, he creates them. And he says it was very good. Good. I build on this every week. It's a bit like Sunday school. You've got to give me my little lesson. It was very good. And so the sixth day ends, just like the first five had. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. But the seventh day is different. Have a look at this. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy 
because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. By the seventh day, God stopped working. There was no more creating to be, God, uh, to be done. God had finished that work, and so on the seventh day, God rested from all of the work that he'd done in creating. Um, it made me think about mowing the lawn. Is there anybody here who mows the lawn? Is there anybody who's never, ever mowed a lawn before? I'm oh, so jealous. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm a bit daunted. I think we've got about an acre of grass next door, and I'm hoping somebody over here is going to mow it for me. But um, uh, I've never owned a brand new mower, and so every mower I've ever had, you know, you had to kind of fix the spark plug every time you wanted to run, or, you know, you had to rebuild the carburetor or something. But you finally get your mower done. And, and, and you know, because the, the grass, it taunts you. You know, you look out every day and, and it starts to get a bit shaggy and you think, oh, I've got to get to that at some stage. It gets a bit shaggier and a bit longer. You're like, oh, one day I'm going to do it. And, um, and, you know, finally, get the mower started. But there's something very cathartic as you, as you drive those long lines into the grass. And it all kind of starts to look neat and tidy. And you finish it. And when you look back over it, just for a moment, there's no leaves on it, there's nothing. And it just looks fantastic. Um, have you ever had that experience? The mower's in the room. Isn't it good? You can sit back and you can enjoy it. And I feel like that was God on the seventh day. He looks back over everything that he's made. He looks back on it. He says to himself, yeah, that is just right. That is very good, he says. He says, let's just take a moment to enjoy it. And so on the seventh day, God rested from the work of creating that he'd done. He didn't stop because he was tired. The omnipotent, all-powerful God, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't get worn out. He doesn't need to have a little lie down. He stops because it's actually good to stop and enjoy the fruit of your labor. That's why he stops. And that's the first big idea for our sermon today. Sabbath means stopping. So the word for resting in the original language in the Hebrew, it's where we get the word Sabbath from. And so in the, in the original language, God literally Sabbathed from his work of creating. That is, he ceased, he stopped. And, and we find ourselves in a bit of a tension here because there is something about work that is built into creation. Um, work's actually built into creation. Those first six days were all about God working uh, as he flung stars into space and as he filled the void. God was at work. And when God created us in his image, he made us to be creative just like him. And, and God created us as people who like to do work. Actually, we like to achieve things. We like to, we like to get stuff done. That's in our God-given nature. And I think that's why God needed to teach us to stop. See, on the farm, there's always more work to be done. Uh, in the garden, there's always more work to be done. In the office, there's always more work to be done. Uh, if you're at home, there's always more work to be done. As soon as you clean the kitchen, somebody goes in and has a cup and puts it on the bench, and as the washing always piles up, work is endless. But when God rested from his work on the seventh day, he was teaching us something about work and rest. He was teaching us that it's actually okay to stop. It's okay to stop for an hour. It's okay to stop for a day. In fact, stopping work is good for us. It stops us from getting caught up in the busyness that can be all-consuming. It stops us from getting caught up in the idea that work is everything, and, and if we stop, the world will fall apart. Because it won't. It won't fall apart. On the seventh day, God stopped creating, but at the same time, he was actually still sustaining the universe. Just like uh, Jesus said in John chapter 5, he says, My father is always at work to this very day. 
See, God never stops making the world turn. He never stops sustaining the universe. God never stops drawing all of history towards the day when Jesus returns and puts everything under his feet. God never stops his work at that plan. It's unstoppable. It's unshakable. It's unmovable. God is bringing history towards that conclusion, and he doesn't take a day off from that. And so whatever we're working at, whether we're working at the kingdoms of earth or the kingdoms of heaven, a bit like my job, even then we can actually pause our work regularly because God continues the work even while we rest. He never slumbers and never sleeps. And so in Genesis 2, we learn that it's okay to cease from our working. God gives you permission. Um, When I was a kid, we were never allowed to turn the television on during the day. You know, if it was daylight and you turn the television on, man, you'd be in trouble. And, uh, and we were talking about this in my Bible study this week, and somebody said, I'm really tired. I, I wish I could just sit down for a day and just do nothing, like just sit in front of the telly. And they didn't feel like they could give themselves permission to do that. And I, I feel like I'd be the same, like if I sat down, I was telling a story about sitting at, at Palm Beach, and I'm sitting at Palm Beach antsy. I have nothing to do. I, I was in between jobs, but I felt like, oh, I'm not doing anything. And I said, actually, I'm doing something. I'm enjoying Palm Beach and enjoying God's creation. God gives us permission to stop. He gives us permission to rest. And God has built into creation this pattern of working and then resting from work, just like he's built day and night so that we can rest regularly. And I know as an audience, we're in lots of different stages of life. Some people are working. Some people are home with kids. Some people are retired. Some people have been retired for a very long time. It's important to consider what Sabbath looks like for you, what it looks like to cease from your busyness so that you can stop and enjoy the fruits of your labor. That's our first big idea. Um, Sabbath means stopping. Second big idea, Sabbath means holiness. And most of us think of the Sabbath in, um, in that kind of context of a, of a 24-hour period, taking one day off a week and, and never doing anything on it. Um, back, in, back in the olden days in Australia, until about 40 years ago, nothing ever happened on a Sunday, the, the stores were closed and there was no kids sport and of course that's all changed now. Um, in fact, Sunday is probably one of the biggest shopping days, uh, biggest retail days uh, of the week um, and sport for kids is not just on Saturdays anymore, it's often on Sundays and it's often a rep team as well and so, you know, sometimes I have the awkward conversation at church where somebody says, we're not going to be at church for the next 10 weeks just while the rep season is on unless they make the next level, and then it'll be a bit longer. What am I meant to say to that? Sunday is now just a day like any other. Um, But if we recapture the vision of Genesis 2, we see the Sabbath is not just about rest, but it's about holiness. Uh, We're created for rest, and particularly rest in the presence of God. Um, And we're, we're meant to rest in the presence of God and to enjoy the goodness of His creation with the one who created us. And that's the picture of Sabbath in Genesis 2. So it has to be twofold. It's not just resting from work, but it's actually enjoying the blessing of the presence of God as we set, up our, uh, set ourselves apart in His service. Um, uh, Rabbi Abraham Heskel said this. He said, we need to turn from the world of creation to the creation of the world. That is, we need to turn from creation to the Creator. We need to remember that our world is, is not just about the things that we do, but about the one who has made everything for us. Because work can easily become an idol for us, can't it? 
you know, it's a thing that we set on a throne above God. We say, this, is, this job is what makes me who I am. We might think, it, this, this job is what defines me. I am my work. This, this work is what feeds me. This job is what saves me. If I don't keep working, what will become of me? I think that's one of the questions we ask in retirement. To what degree am I my work? Or can I give that part of myself over to the Lord and enter a new period of rest and blessing where I find myself again in Him? If you're like me and you're in the middle when work is pretty consuming, we can kind of lose ourselves in that work identity, can't we? We can put work, can be so busy that we lose who we are. I hope in retirement we can have time to find ourselves again in Him, not just move on to a different busyness. Uh, and I hope that some of you who are older and, and a little bit further down the road than I am, I hope that you'll be able to guide and disciple and mentor and coach those of us who are younger and help us not to get so caught up in work that we forget who we are in Christ. Um, well, anyway, um, I think we need as a church to establish Sabbath rhythms um, at every stage in life. And I'm, and I'm not talking about rigid legalistic Sabbath days. Um, we can see from the Old Testament that the, uh, the heart of the Sabbath got lost in legalism. And so by the time Jesus comes along, he butts head with the, heads with the religious leaders over you know, what you should and shouldn't do on the Sabbath. Um, Jesus makes it clear that the Sabbath is about blessing and it's about wholeness and about resting from religious works. It's not about us making ourselves holy by what we do or by what we don't do on a particular day. It's actually about remembering that it's Jesus who makes us holy. It's God who makes us holy because He alone is holy and only He can give that gift to us. So in uh, Exodus 31, God says this about the Sabbath. He says, you must observe my Sabbaths and this will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you may know that I'm the Lord who makes you holy. When we rest in God, when we stop and make time for Him, um, when we gather with God's people, we actually remind ourselves that God is more important than anything else to us. He's more important than my Sunday sleeping. He's more important than brunch with my family. He's more important than a kid's birthday party or rep soccer. The Sabbath teaches us that we are made for God and we're made for rest with God. And we're made for rest with God's people. Um, this gathering right now, this is a foretaste of what it will be like in heaven for all of eternity, sitting around the throne of God and worshipping the Lamb and remembering all of God's blessing and goodness to us. And that's why church is such an important part of the week. We, we set aside this regular time to be with God and His people. We set aside this, this little bit of time in the week, like one hour, one and a half hours, to find this hour in His presence and in the gathering of his people, and, and to remind ourselves that we, we are the people of God. We are not just workers. We're not homeschoolers. We're not whatever your identity is. We, we're the people of God, and we're made for this. We're made for God, and we're made for this holy gathering. And so this moment is who we really are as God's people, in God's sight. We are right where God wants us at this very moment. That leads us to my final idea. Sabbath means true rest. Uh, one of the distinctives of Genesis 2, I don't know if you noticed it, is the description of the seventh day. Um, there is no evening and there is no morning. Did you notice that? All of the other days had an evening and a morning. Seventh day, not at all. What is the symbolism? Well, it's a symbolic way of saying that the seventh day has no end. 
uh, and that the goal of creation is rest. I will explore next week how sin gets in the way of that. Sin actually messes up our work, it messes up our resting, uh, it messes up all sorts of our enjoyment of our blessings. But for God's Old Testament people, right, um, God promised them rest in the promised land. And, uh, and it was held out as this place where God's people would find rest, they'd experience rest from their enemies, they'd enjoy the blessing of God's presence. And that happened kind of. But they got into the promised land and sin remained, just like their enemies remained. Some of the Canaanites were still there. And they experienced a sort of Sabbath rest, but it wasn't perfect. And so their imperfect rest, it actually pointed towards an even greater rest that's to come, a greater Sabbath that is to come, and that is the eternal Sabbath, where all of the obstacles to rest are overcome. And that's where we meet Jesus in the New Testament. In, in Mark's Gospel, in the passage we just read, one of Jesus' first acts is to heal a man on the Sabbath. And it's this guy who's got a shriveled up hand. And the religious leaders, they chide Jesus for doing work on the Sabbath. Now, was it work? Jesus sort of looks at them and says, what, do you want me to come back tomorrow at nine o'clock and clock on when it's not a Sabbath day? Um, he's giving this guy a new life, a new lease on life. He's fixing what's wrong with him. He undoes what's wrong with this world. And what the leaders, they couldn't see was that Jesus was giving us a foretaste of the heavenly rest that he'll one day bring to all of us. Because when Jesus went about healing and casting out demons, he actually gives us a window into the Sabbath rest that his death and resurrection will finally make possible. See, on that day around the, around the new throne in the new kingdom, Jesus will give us rest from sin and all of its effects. He'll give us rest from death and sorrow. There'll be no more. He will give us rest from poverty and injustice, all of the things that make this world so bad. He will give us perfect and eternal rest enjoyed in the new promised land, the heavenly promised land, the new Garden of Eden, the new Jerusalem. So I just got a couple of little thoughts for us today as we finish. How do we apply this? Well, perhaps you're like me and you struggle with work-life balance. Uh, this passage teaches us, sorry, this passage teaches us that we can, we can leave the desk at the end of the week and trust that the Lord of the Sabbath is still at work. He will provide for you and He'll keep the universe running while you take your day off. Trust Him and find rest. Perhaps you're struggling with a deeper restlessness. I mean, you know, you're struggling to find rest in the face of the very real hardships that I know some people in this room are going through right now. You know, there's illness accidents, mental health battles, loss, disappointment, all kinds of grief. Come to God with those struggles. Come to Jesus because he promises to bring you rest. The Lord of the Sabbath is at work healing lives and bringing blessing and bringing wholeness and bringing healing. He's doing it here in the Southern Highlands, just like he's been doing for 2,000 years. He's doing it all over the world as people put their trust in Jesus. Jesus remakes us in the image that he created us to be. We'll, talk, we'll think about sin next week, but Jesus starts to remove the effects of sin in your life. He removes the guilt and the pain and the shame. He makes us again. And, and if you doubt that he's doing that, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, is working to raise us up to new life too. That's the promise of rest that is coming. God's not waiting, he's not slow. He's doing that work in you now and one day it will be complete. Sabbath means true rest, and it reminds us of the true rest that's to come. So why don't we come to the Lord of the Sabbath now 
in prayer. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Jesus, help us to learn from you. Help us to trust you. Help us to come to you with our struggles, with our sorrows, with our restlessness. Jesus, will you give us rest? Uh, give us rest in the middle of busy weeks and, and, and the working life. Give us rest in the middle of busy retirement. Give us rest in all stages. Particularly, Father, we pray for those who are restless because of health struggles and, and, and other issues going on in life. Lord, we pray that you would breathe your breath of life into those people now and recreate them in your image. Allow them to sleep well and experience a little bit of that blessing and rest that we know will ultimately come when you return. So Jesus, keep us until that moment. We pray in your precious name. Amen.